Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the mailbag. It's me, Marcus Speller, and that guy, Andy Brassel. That's me. <laughs> Andy, it is fantastic to be in your company. I think I speak on behalf of every single person who's tuned into this podcast. Uh, how are you feeling, brother man? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Bundesliga's restarted. Um, mm-hmm. By the time you listen to this, everyone will be taking part in La Liga, including the teams who obviously think they're too good for it by taking an extra few weeks' feet up. Uh, so that'll be nice. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling in the zone. Yeah, good, good, good. Oh, very perky indeed. Much like your delightful backside. Now, Andy, we're going to uh, kick off proceedings. <laughs> He does yoga, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> hot yoga at that. It was just called yoga until Andy turned up, of course. Uh, let's start off with this one from uh, Lee R. Lee R. Isn't it nice to see his name, Andy? It is, but we call him R. Lee, though, don't we? Uh, Muhammad, or is in our, like our kid, our kid? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Oasis. End of yeah, the okay. Or Manchester, yeah. really, more. If yeah. You, if you were... Yeah, don't don't disrespect the region. Um, uh, Lee R says this shock horror. I have a hurter related question, and then does a smiley crying emoji laughy face. Um, don't worry, Lee. This is what we've come to expect from your good self. Uh, while they've been a bit slow over the summer to spend some of their newfound riches, Hurter have finally signed another forward to to support Piontek, with Cordoba coming in from FC Köln and Duda going the other way as a part of the deal. I've seen him before, Köln, uh, and he looked decent. Uh, he looked a decent signing. How do you think he will fit in, uh, as well as the other new additions? Also, why did Duda fall out of favour with Hurter? Always been a big fan of his, but over the last 12 months, his stock seems to have fallen. Andy, I put all that to you. There's a lot in there, and we're going to unpick it bit by bit. And we're going to start with uh, John Cordoba. John, which is confusingly, Marcus, spelled mm. J-H-O-N, not J-O-H-N. Bloody idiot. J- just, just so you know, um, I, I don't want any tears further down the line. Um <laughs> But it was a deal that Cologne didn't really want to do because he was really popular there. But but they had to do because he only had a year left on his contract and he wasn't going to sign again. So they got fifty million for him, which is a pretty decent figure given the last season was his first really good season in the top flight. Because what happened when Cordoba originally arrived from Mainz, um, they had just got rid of Anthony Modest to uh, China. And basically, um, they brought Cordoba in, who was never a like-for-like replacement. Um, he played a lot in wide positions when he was at Mainz, and he wasn't particularly regular goal scorer. But of course, the idea that he was a nominal replacement for Modest put a, a lot of pressure on him, and he didn't have a great first season um, with, with Köln. And they went down. Um, what worked for him is that I suppose a bit like say someone like Fabrizio Colaccini or mm-hmm. Jonas Gutierrez at Newcastle, the season in the, the, the second tier actually did him a lot of good and um, he was excellent during that and by the time Köln came back up to the top flight he was a different player really really good last season, um, his work rate is absolutely unbelievable He's mm-hmm. pretty strong and tough. He's, he's, he's quick enough. Um, he senses goal chances very well. And he was a very, very consistent goal scorer for 
a pretty average team last season. So I feel it's pretty good for Herter. And as Lee says, you look at the options they've got up top now. Um, they've got uh, Cordoba, you've, you've got um, Piontek, Lukabakio, um, Cunha, who with those more strikerish strikers has got the opportunity to play a little bit deeper now, um, or, almost as a, a second striker or maybe even a number 10. So, I mean, Cunha's going to be the, the undoubted star of this team going forward. And I think we might have touched on it before um, on, on on the main shows. But what I particularly like about Herta is certainly since Bruno Labbadia's come in, um, the transfer plan uh, with all this new cash they've got from Lars Windhorst is, is not been um, let's spend it on a few big names to get bums on seats. And that originally seemed to be the plan when they were looking at mm-hmm. Julian Draxler and when they were looking at um, Mario Goetze and players like that. Now they're getting the players they need rather than necessarily the most glamorous ones they can afford and will come. So, Sir so Alf Ramsey-esque that, Andy. It, isn't it just? Don't and pick the, play, think, the don't pick the best players. I pick the players I need, as he said. To exactly, Jack and if if you look further back in the team, Luca Toussaint, I think he's going to be a great signing for them. Really good start to the season um, for, for for him, and the, the the team is starting to look proper. Um, now they'll come on to, to what they can do over the season in it in, in a little bit, but um, we wanted to look at Piontek as well, didn't we? Mm. And um, you know, it's, it's so hard to get a grip on his career in top-level European football um, because, he, of course, he scored a lot of goals when um, he first arrived in, in in Italy. And, you know, he, he didn't even get a full season at Torino before being being moved on to... Uh, a, a full season at Genoa, sorry, before mm. being moved on to, on to Milan. So... Do you think that move you know, came we, too early for him? Maybe, because I think it was easy to look at him and think, well, is it a streak or is it genuine quality? Because people in Poland were quite surprised at how well he'd taken to um, mm-hmm. Serie A football. People weren't convinced about him back home in, in, in Poland. Now, he did get some goals early on for, for, for Milan, but I think there were doubts over whether long-term he could do stuff beyond just you know grab a few penalty box goals really um he's a presence up there that that's that's a start um but it feels as if he's been flipped from pillar to post and he's not had a chance to settle now i hope that he does get a chance to settle at herter and he does get game time but as lee says with the options they've got there's no guarantee that he's he's going to be getting in the the, the, the first team all the time the first 11 all the time so it could be quite tough for him and um, for someone who costs a lot of money. Um, he's relatively unfinished, I think. So um, I'm interested to see how he pans out for the rest of the season. But if they loaned him out, moved him on, etc., in January, it would not stagger me by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I think the other question we had was about Andre Duda, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, he was a player who, if you go back to the season before last, which obviously seems about a hundred years ago now, um, he was he was excellent. Um, Goal scorer, running late into the penalty box, really creative as as well. And um, obviously he fell out with Jürgen Klinsmann, which is why he ended up moving to Norwich on, on loan last season. Now, from quite an early point 
um, last season. So when when the season was still going on, like pre-pandemic, but after Klinsmann had gone, Herter had lined him up to to come back because um, Labadia seemed quite keen on maybe reintegrating him into the team. There's a lot of people at the club who's, who's, who still really respect Duda. So the fact that he was used as part of the deal to uh, get Cordoba was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe more responsibility is going to fall onto Vladimir Darida, um, who, was, who was great in the opening game of the season against uh, Werder Bremen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them add another flair-type midfielder before the end of the, the, the transfer window. I think Duda will do pretty well actually, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at Cologne. And they could definitely do with that that sort of player in the centre of, of the park. I mean, I think he'd do a great job for a, for a lot of teams. In terms of Herter for all of this season, I'm not sure Lee asked about this, but I'm going to throw it in as a freebie. Go, go on. I think go on. they have got a genuine chance of making the top four because I think the um, top two are a lock, Bayern and Dortmund. Um, and I think you look below that, I think there might be a few little slips this season, certainly for Gladbach, who I, if I was predicting the Bundesliga before it started, I, I would have had them down in third place, definitely. Mm-hmm. But on reflection, the fact that they're working Marcus Turam and Alessand Player back to fitness, they're almost in this pre-season-y sort of mode when, when the league's actually started, which is not ideal. I, I suspect there are loads of teams in that that sort of position. You could argue Manchester United were like that when the Premier League started. But yeah. I think if you, if you look at the scheduling of the Champions League, um, from mid-October to mid-December, there's almost a game every week. And that is going to be really difficult to cope with for everyone, but particularly the teams who haven't got massive squads and who aren't used to being in the Champions League all the time. So I think that might negatively affect Gladbach. I think you look at um, Leipzig and you wonder if there's a limit really to what their model can do like f- for me the way they played in the semi-final of the Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain made me think yeah this is a, a ceiling and unless they change their ch- transfer policy unless they could get in a few more experienced players which they're not going to do because mm-hmm. they're not going to go out and buy 28, 29 year olds it's just not their thing um, and it's, it's not the way the, the, the club runs but I kind of looked at that game and I thought, with that money, if your aim is to have sporting success, like genuine sporting success, like pushing for championships and cups, you've got to have some older hands, really, at moments like this. And, yeah, you know, I think that would have really helped them. So I wonder how much further Leipzig can go. Of course, Leverkusen have, have lost Kai Havertz and Kevin Folland as well. I still think they've got a really talented squad, but... There are some issues with them. I think her to get on a run, that good squad, an underrated coach in Labadia, I wouldn't rule them out of the top four at all. Myers Herder. Gruich. And look at this. Piontek. Can he wrap it all up? Yes, he can. Augsburg pushing for a leveller. And they have been caught out on the counter. Ooh, we've got one from Remix951 who says, Do you all 
Have any favourite soccer documentaries? Sounds like an American. I'd like you remix next time to say Joel. Uh, have any favourite soccer documentaries? Uh, they don't necessarily have to surround European football either. Andy, I know you're a big fan of All or Nothing, the Tottenham Hotspur slash Jose Mourinho show. It's enjoyable enough, I think. <laughs> Would you say I, it was I mean, one of your favourites, Andy? Well, but basically, the bottom line is a, a, a soccer documentary is so much better when things go wrong. And for that, the the GOAT, or um, maybe not the GOAT, maybe the GIT, the greatest of its time, um, is uh, probably Sunderland Till I Die. I, I thought mean, it was a bit is... boring. Did you, did you really? Yeah, I, I, I thought this I was uh, it. it's another one in the boardroom with him. I, 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 I didn't think it was that good. I think because everyone said, oh, my goodness, it's brilliant. It's really funny because they obviously do mm. it badly, blah, blah, blah. I get the concept. I get the idea of that totally. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a great watch, to be perfectly may, honest. Maybe, maybe like you, um, maybe like me, sorry, your opinion was coloured by the fact that you know, ninety-eight percent of your friends in Newcastle United fans. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it, really. I know more Sund. I think. Do I know more Sunderland fans? Maybe I do. Be close. It'd be a toss-up. Um, right. I know. I know. No, no more Newcastle fans. Uh, I mean, to, to, to remix to answer your your, your question in a quite a boring manner, the Diego Maradona one is very very good. Um, Maradona in Mexico. Although that's good, yeah. No, I meant the the, the film, I suppose, the docu film. Oh right. Oh yeah. If, if we're talking no, no, yeah, films, no, no, no. Let's no bollocks to the films. That's that's obvious. That's obvious. We're doing Mar- yeah. Maradona in Sinaloa is good. It's really worth a watch. Actually, it's on. I think it's on Amazon. It's on one of the ones Amazon, Netflix. You know all that. Mm. Um, and the way he inspires that team, it, it like he has an immediate impact. It's, it, it is incredible. And you see a slightly different side of Maradona. And yes, there are many um, contradictions to Maradona. And he says one thing and then acts in another way and blah, 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 blah. But, but honestly, I really think it's worth a watch. I, I It was so much better than what I thought it was going to be. So that one I'd recommend. Did you watch it, Andy? Um, no, not yet. I'm looking forward to it. Get involved. Get involved. Any yeah, more? Uh, um, well, well, I think that's the thing. We, we have to set like modern documentaries against older documentaries because I think it seems that modern documentaries are part of the increasing efforts of clubs to mm-hmm. bring their media in-house so they can yeah. control the, the, the public image. And I think the earlier ones of that, like you think of the Juventus Netflix one, which is... Dreadful. Uh, Absolute shit. Oh, it's tedious. It's, it is uh, awful. How can something with so many of the best players in the world be so it, boring? It's an absolute disgrace. That, that I'd put it in the same bracket as goal three. Really, well, I, never not, ma- I, I never made it to three. I only got to the first two. So yeah, I can never, never I can, do that. I can really say, it. okay. The, the thing is, now you've put it in my mind, I'm going to have to watch it. Just mm. like when I was on a plane once, when I saw Crocodile Dundee in LA, I thought, that sounds awful. I have to watch it. Oh, and it turned one. out to be, yeah, it turned out to be even worse than the title would <clears throat> hint at. Never saw the third one. I was very happy with the first two. Yeah, two's two's actually dreadful. Uh, if if you go back and watch it, one's very good, but um, two's all right. No, two's not all that. Actually, I have to disagree. Oh, I think it's watchable, Andy. It's watchable. Come on. When did you last watch it though? Because the oh. thing is, I first watched it when I was probably about I don't know twelve, and and then I went back and watched it as an adult as part of a Crocodile Dundee night that I was doing with a friend. And, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was dreadful. 
Yeah, I probably watched it in about 1997. Um, but if, if going back to the, the, the soccer documentaries, yeah, I think if you go back to the, the, the ages of you know proper media liberty and um, when this was a relatively untapped and um, stream with a, with a more relaxed atmosphere in terms of welcome, welcoming journalists in, there was a brilliant one on Grandstand, which you can find on YouTube, of Wimbledon's first season in the old first division, uh, 1986-87. That's terrific. That's very open. Loads of um, loads of Dave Bassett team talks, which are mm-hmm. all, always always brilliant. I mean, yeah. the thing is, if you think of what makes a, a good football documentary, you do think access, honesty, candor. Bottom line is, sweary manager goes a very long way. And so I, I think you think of Harry Bassett, you think of uh, Neil Warnock, you think of John Sitton in Orient for oh. a Fiver. I mean, that, that Orient for a Fiver is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I think. I'm just Again, these are these are these are YouTubeable ones. Remix, if if you've yeah, not seen them. Remix. I'll just I'll just throw a, a few more out there. I've heard. I've not actually seen this, but I heard from uh, Ellis James and other one or two other prominent Wales fans that don't take me home about Wales is uh, running the European Championship 2016 is very, very good indeed. Uh, what else have I got written down here, as you were saying? Um, I, I thought all or nothing, the Man, the Man City one was, was was watchable. I think all those all or nothing one, the Brazil winning the 2019 Copa America, it wasn't bad. Um, Andy, I, I, I didn't feel the Manchester City one. I've got to be honest with you. I, I thought, thought it was okay. It's watchable. Uh, um, I, take I the thought, ball, pass the ball, Andy. Take the ball, pass the ball is very good. We, yeah, we did it, got him back. We, we did an OTC night around that, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah, in, in a cinema and everything. Uh, one night in Turin, England's running in Italia 90. Mm. It, it is very good. And if you can get hold of this, it was this was on terrestrial television uh, in in um, the United Kingdom. Because I, I, I'm guessing you're, you're American remix. If not, then uh, no worries, there's... there's you know, uh, but you, you this was on on terrestrial TV in in England. Keenan Vieira, best of enemies. Oh, that's amazing! It's really that's, good. Roy Keane and Patrick really Vieira kind of talking about their past rivalries um, when obviously Arsenal and Manchester United was the big game of the day back then. You know, in the sort of you know early twenty uh, first century, and and they pick their combined best Manchester United and Arsenal team. But it's I thought it was really good actually. I thought that was really well done. The the, the last one I would throw in there again. I think it's YouTubeable. It's quite old now. It's about probably I would say probably about sixteen seventeen years old. It's um, called A la Claire Fontaine. It's in French. And it is about um, life at Clairefontaine, the National Football Academy of France. Why it's so good is it includes that clip of um, a teenage Atem Ben Arfa winding everyone up. And it was when like Ben Arfa at 14, 15 became a star before he'd made his professional debut because he was this brilliant but irritating kid. And there's this wonderful scene where he's annoyed Abu Dhabi so much that um, th- th- there's this dispute in one of the rooms. And Ben Arthur won't back down or shut up, despite the fact that Diaby is absolutely raging. And in the end, one of his teammates walks Ben Arthur out onto the balcony and closes the curtains on him so Diaby doesn't have to look at him anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. Man. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> 
By the way, Remix, I've just looked. That Keenan versus Vieira thing, which was on ITV over here, it is on YouTube as well. Um, so uh, do check that out. Hopefully it's not geo-locked. Otherwise, um, then find it on some... Well, I'm not going to... Otherwise, get a VPN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, your word's not mine, Andy, but we're on the same platform. So if we're going down, <laughs> we're going down together. Um, <laughs> we're going to finish off uh, the mailbag this week with this from Mason. Big Mace says, which English players from this century should have played in Europe? I'm glad he didn't go, but Michael Carrick would have been an exceptional signing for plenty of clubs. Question stems from Deli Alley being linked to Paris Saint-Germain and the idea that Jesse Lingard could be well suited to a different environment and style of play. Um, I'm not sure about Jesse Lingard, uh, Mason, to be honest with you, but Andy... What do you think? So let's let's take the players who have uh, from the past, who you would have liked them um, like to have seen them gone abroad. First name that springs to mind is is Rio Ferdinand. I, I, okay. I would have really liked to see him um, have a go abroad for for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, centre back who can pass the ball, but mm. interestingly, I think if you can compare him to um, one of his European peers, compare him to say. Uh, Ricardo Cavalli. When you see Cavalli play in midfield, he looks like a midfield player, despite the fact he's a central defender. Now, the couple of times that Manchester United tried Ferdinand in the anchor role, um, it, it didn't really work. He looked like a defender in midfield. And it kind of made me wonder with Rio Ferdinand, who's an impeccable defender mm-hmm. um, with such a great career, did we just think because of the sort of era that he came out of, mm. was he really, you know, maybe not a great passer, but just a great passer for a defender? Yeah. In, in, compared to other English English players at the time. So I guess this is a kind of development question that, that Mace, I hope you don't mind calling you Mace, is um, <laughs> making. I call Kate Mason that, it's fine. Um, because <laughs> I, I think you, you don't think about, you know, who would fit in perfectly and be brilliant straight away, mm. who would work on their game and become an even better player than they were. And mm. that's what happened in reverse to say um, Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry. So I don't see why it wouldn't work and why we shouldn't aspire for it to work in the other direction. Yep. And obviously Rio was fantastic anyway, but I think it would have made him even better. The other thing that makes me think about it, of course, is the fact that you look at, say, what Chris Smalling has got out of going to Italy. Yeah. And, you know, by the time you hear this, who knows, he might, might even have signed for Roma permanently. I think it's one of those things that might go on and on until October 5th. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But if you think of, like, Smalling is a good player. Mm. Ferdinand is a level up from that. Yeah. So if you could imagine um, Rio playing in Serie A, and you know when they have that documentary on BT um, about... Um, the, the uh, football Italia years. Mm-hmm. And when Rio, who's a similar age to me, was talking about that and he was he was saying about how he used to like play football in the park on Sunday and then rush home and watch football Italia on, on, on Channel 4 because it was free football on telly after after your Sunday lunch. I thought, yeah, that was brilliant. He, he was so enthused about it. He was so enthused yeah. about the players and the teams. I think he would have really embraced it and I, I think he would have been, he, he would have been really good at it. Yeah, I, two names for me. I would say that I would have. I, I'm glad he 
stayed because he was brilliant for Fulham. But um, I'd have liked to have seen Danny Murphy maybe go abroad because there was a bit of a time during his career after he left Liverpool where he was often played out on the wing or he was, um, you know, there was he sort of went round a few clubs and so on. And he landed at Fulham. You know, start of his career very good, very impressive at Liverpool, and towards the end of his career, more the kind of Fulham years again, very good, very impressive. Um, but that in-between stage, I think he may have been sort of slightly more appreciated and he may well have uh, uh, enjoyed it a little bit more uh, had he have gone uh, abroad. Not that, I mean, you know, Luke did a very good interview with him uh, previously on the Ramble. Uh, and then the other one, um, and this, this is going to sound a little bit silly because he was a part of the Invincibles, so he didn't do too badly at Arsenal. But when, when Sol Campbell left Spurs, there was talk of the likes of Inter after him. That like all yes. the, you know, really big clubs were after him at the time, and he went to Arsenal. and I, And I think that that's always slightly sort of sullied his reputation. Uh, and, I, and I understand why Spurs fans would get pissed off at that, but we don't really. There's not you know in Italy, players move around the clubs and you know make those kind of moves from one great rival to another all the time. Or well, they certainly did for a period of time. Um, whereas in England, that doesn't really happen that much. And so I think that it kind of tarnished him sort of slightly. Now, yes, he goes on to win, you know, the league with Arsenal when he, as I say, part of the Invincibles and so on. So I, I don't mean it for that. I mean it more that I think that he was there for, I think, I, I think he's slightly underappreciated. Yes, he is. Yes. I, th- I thought he was a magnificent. I know we sort of joke around and the long slide tackle and the run against Colombia in '98. So, but I, honestly, he's one of my favourite defenders of all time. Certainly, one of my favourite English defenders, without a doubt. He was a phenomenal player. He, he was so solid, and I think had he have gone to maybe a, a Serie A, um, it's all very hypothetical, of course, because you know he might go there and not settle, and you know doesn't you know is not a part of one of the greatest English club sides of the 21st century. You could argue, certainly for that season in Arsenal. Um, but I, I, I think had he have gone abroad rather than go to Arsenal uh, and so on and so forth, you know, that, that would have uh, been quite something. Um, but Andy, let's bring it to the modern era, um, uh, if you don't mind. You know, uh, uh, Mason's said about you know, Dele Alli being linked to PSG at time recording. He's still a Spurs player uh, and so on. Who, who at the moment do you think would would perhaps benefit from a move abroad. We may have uh, uh, touched on this before, but damn it all, we're going to touch it, uh, touch upon it again before uh, the show's out. So who do you reckon, Andy? I, th- I think Delhi is, is, is as good a candidate as any because mm-hmm. um, what I think, and I think we talked about this in the main ramble, what people forget about him is when he first came into the Tottenham team and he played in that kind of two in the 4-2-3-1. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that amazed me about Delhi Alley first off, not was not just that he jumped two divisions and as a teenager looked like a very good Premier League footballer. It was about the fact that he did it in a position of big responsibility where you can't really hide. So I think he's way more intelligent and tactically adaptable than a, a lot of people believe. And I just think he needs to be challenged, really. He needs to be really challenged. And um if, if that could happen for him, I think that would be great. I think you could be really with the right coach and the right club in a position where he's being moulded into the, the, the perfect midfielder, like the, mm. the perfect all-round midfielder, um, which would be absolutely fantastic to see. Um, I think if, if we're going down the England team, I would still love to see Raheem Sterling at, 
Real Madrid, for example. I, I think that would be really interesting to to see how he, he got on there. Obviously, even if he did brilliantly, the fans would be comically ungrateful. But uh, that's very much part of the Real Madrid experience. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so that would be fine. I'm, and that's I'm, in light I'm, of Cristiano sure. Ronaldo, not Gareth Bale, by the way, in case anybody thinks Andy's, you know. But... Um, I, I, I guess maybe if if I had a if I had a third choice from from the current England setup, I think I might say Jordan Pickford, because yeah. he's got a load of Joe Hart in him, hasn't he? One of those mm-hmm. very gifted but slightly twitchy keepers who yep. wants to make stuff happen, and that's his downfall, really, isn't it? The fact that he wants to make stuff happen, where really the opposite characteristic is what you want from um, a goalkeeper. But I think for him to learn a different way of thinking about the game, Mm -hmm. where him playing with his feet would be encouraged, um, but somewhere where he could get a bit more of a a tactical education rather than being separated from the group and just concentrate on being a goalkeeper. Do you not think he might get that from Ancelotti though? Maybe, maybe, maybe that might work. I mean, you know, it's a great brain to pick. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I, I just kind of feel with with Pickford, there's loads of talent there. He's not a lost mm. cause, despite what mm. people might say. It's just about him finding the right next step. And when you think of Joe Hart, for example, going to Torino, fair play to him for having a go, but it, it was a little bit too late in his career for him to change. Also, mm. it was the wrong club for him, I think, at the wrong time. And there's no question that he, he made a great effort, but he ended up at a club where they had no real opportunity of of, of winning anything. Um, they'd just lost three of their first choice defence and he ended up conceding a load of goals, which uh, weren't always his fault. So, you know, as with any career, it's all about, with any player in any career, it's always about making the right choice at the right time. And maybe one misstep you can get away with. Um, two, I, I think you can be really struggling all of a sudden. So, yeah, I'd be really interested to see Jordan Pickford in a, in a different environment. Excellent. There we are. Well, nice one, Andy. Uh, it's been a pleasure doing the mailbag with you, as, as always. always. Uh, uh, thank you very much for your questions. Do appreciate that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, so there we are. And, uh, until next week, we wish you uh, happy hunting. Go well. Enjoy those documentaries. Uh, if indeed you uh, do uh, dip your toe in that particular pool, I recommend you do. Uh, Andy, have a good one, my old son. You too. See you soon, ladies and gentlemen. See you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.